Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Alpha males. Do you guys remember Coast to Coast AM? Used to come out late night, like overnight, early in the morning. Well, back when I was a cop and I worked graves, which I think pretty much every cop does at some point or another, and I was struggling to stay awake when it was slow, that was pretty much what was on the radio. So I thought it might be cool to put out this episode, a recast of Less Lethal Options. I don't know when you'll listen, but I'm going to put it out late on Saturday night. So if you're lonely on a Saturday night or you can't sleep or you have to stay awake because you're working graves, or you're just up late, you know, contemplating your navel. Whatever the case is, if you are up, maybe you'll have something fresh to listen to. So hopefully you enjoy this episode of Less Lethal Defensive Options. Podcast proves to be an interesting one. It'll be on Less Lethal Defense Options. Before we get into that, don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a review of the podcast. Also, I consider this a community, a tribe. So if you guys have input, the best way is to leave a review and put your input in there saying, good thing on less lethal, here's another option or here's another idea. Everybody that looks at the reviews and stuff can see it and read it. So I encourage you to do that and be an active rather than passive part of the community. After all, you're an alpha male, right? First and foremost, I am a servant of God, preacher, a fisher of men. God is number one in my life and everything that I do in this podcast is no different. And I don't apologize for that. A little bit about me in the background. I grew up, I guess what you would consider a heathen, didn't grow up a Christian, but I grew up in the Southeastern United States, what most would consider very poor, hunting and fishing and shooting Joined the Marine Corps at 17, did a couple of combat tours in Iraq. After my combat tours in Iraq, I was an urban warfare instructor for the United States Marine Corps under Mojave Viper. I also served in law enforcement for several years in LAPD. I worked patrol assignments and more specialized assignments. Where by God's grace, he got me through some nasty places in this world war zones. And some of the nastiest streets in the country. Not because I am better, because God chose to have mercy on me and had a purpose for me. And I'm thankful for that. After my time in law enforcement, I was a private contractor for federal government, for a three-letter government agency I won't specify, doing private contracting work. I'm very much involved in guns and gunfighting. I also served in the U.S. Army, both full-time and part-time National Guard. I should say my primary MOSs in both branches of the military or infantry as of one sort or another. Specialized infantry in the Marine Corps and an MOS that no longer exists. I started competition shooting even before I joined the Marine Corps at 17. I won my first gold medal even before I joined the Marine Corps at 17. I've been blessed by God with the talents he's given me to win more shooting competitions than I can remember. I've won most of my competitions 
in rifle and pistol, but I've also competed in archery and shotgun and even muzzleloader, uh, knife throwing, hatchet throwing. I've competed in all that. I've also been a professional big game hunter and guide. Like I said, I grew up hunting and, and fishing and shooting. I've done it to put meat on the table because I like to put food on the table with the talents God's given me. I don't apologize for that. I've done it as a professional hunter and guide. I've slain all manner of beast and guided for all manner of beast. Bear and wolf and elk and deer, mule deer, white-tailed deer. I've slain ram and fallow deer and countless animals. And I don't apologize for that either. FBI certified firearms instructor, NRA, and a bunch of other three-letter government agency certifications. Blessed be the Lord my rock who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle, Psalm 144. I've been blessed to be the commander of a tactical team, an SRT special response team in a large metropolitan area where our primary job was to stop active shooters. But again, first and foremost, I'm a servant of God, called by God to share the good news, preacher, a fisher of men. With that, we will roll into today's topic. Now, in a quick addition to that, I will mention that uh, in my bio, I didn't grow up a Christian and I fought a lot when I was younger. I mean, a lot of street fighting. Grew up pretty poor, uh, had no problem throwing down, uh, probably for the wrong reasons, but it gave me quite a bit of fighting experience. Also wrestled for three out of the four years of high school. Also, as you can imagine, had a bit of hand-to-hand -hand combat training in the military and in law enforcement and some ground fighting, mixed martial arts stuff. We did a whole episode on hand-to-hand -hand combat which you may want to go back and give a listen to. A great guest speaker, one of my good friends, was on that. Anyway, into today's topic, less lethal options. My first less lethal, and I'm going to caveat by this, anything that I say today, even though it's less lethal, could prove to be lethal. You know, you spray somebody with pepper spray, and they could have an asthma attack and die. You know, you tase somebody and they could fall down a flight of stairs and break their neck. You punch somebody the wrong way in the head just by happenstance. They could just die. It happens. They're just, it's called less lethal for a reason. It's not called non-lethal. It's called less lethal. It's the point of it is not to kill somebody. You want to stop them from doing what they're doing, but you don't want to have to use deadly force and that it's primary purpose is to cause death. You don't want to go to that level. This is an intermediate force. And the first one I'm going to talk about is probably controversial. In light of fairly recent um, political things and police things, but it's going to be a chokehold, or specifically a carotid, where you're not stopping air but stopping blood flow to the head. Now I've I know from experience having done this to people and having it been done on me multiple, multiple times that it's usually not lethal or else I'd be dead. And I've choked out plenty of people and they're not dead. 
But look up the correct way to do a carotid chokehold, and it is very, very effective. It is not not lethal. It is less lethal. So if you have to stop somebody from doing what they're doing, and you can, and you know what you're doing, it can be very effective. Could it be lethal? Yes. But you could also punch somebody in the head, and they could fall over and die. This is very useful. I have, Like I said, I have quite a bit of experience doing it. It was one of my go-tos when I was a police officer. I don't care what political thing it is. That doesn't make it not a useful tool. If somebody's all jacked up on drugs and controlled substances, they, they may die anyway. But where I find this most useful is when somebody is fighting somebody else. Say you come to the scene and, you know, some dude's choking out his girlfriend or... Um, you see, who knows what scenario, some guy beating some other guy at a bus stop and he's like, the other guy's on the ground and he's over him beating him. If you can get up behind him and get a good position and get a good chokehold, it is very effective. There's a way to do it going up behind somebody and grabbing them. There's a way to doing it going up in front of somebody and grabbing them where you wrap your arm around and then throw your legs up over their back and use your weight and just bring them down to the ground and, and let's say pleasantly deprive the blood flow of oxygen to their brain. You should really seek out some professional training in this if you're going to learn to do this. Um, I'm not saying you should listen to this podcast and just start doing it. You should actually get trained in this. Um, But a good rule of thumb is when they stop moving, you stop choking. And the reason I started out with this is because you can do it with nothing. You don't need any special tools. You don't need any... Any gear, you may find yourself without gear. You could do this with nothing, just yourself. The other one, likewise, you know, go-tos, you know, as a, as a man, especially as an alpha male, you ought to know how to throw a punch and a front kick and a side kick. You ought to know basic self-defense and grappling, boxing and grappling techniques. You ought to know that as a man, as an alpha male. So if hitherto four, you have not learned that, Seek out some instruction. You ought to know how to punch somebody and you ought to know how to get punched, especially in the face. And know how to deal with that as a man. Don't let the first time you get punched in the face be, you know, a life or death altercation. That's not cool. But likewise, you know, punches and kicks. And this is beyond the scope. I can't teach you different kicks and punches in this in this podcast. But you should learn how to do that, and those can be a good, less lethal option. Again, you could you could kick somebody, and they could fall over and die. Who knows? But it's less lethal. So good hand-to-hand combat skills. In those hand-to-hand combat skills, a good arm bar. Knowing how to grab somebody's arm and just put them on the ground, where they're not going to resist, and if they do, their arm's going to get broken. It sucks to break somebody's arm, but it's still less lethal. It's better than killing them but good, less lethal options. Oh, now since we're Americans, let's talk about gear and kit because we all love gear and kit. Um, the f- next one I'm going to talk about and probably my least favorite and least effective is pepper spray. Now, I don't th- think that it's useless. In fact, a lot of times for Christmas, I will get my sisters. I have two sisters. I will get them a, a can of pepper spray. Mace, if you don't know, kind of pepper spray is a slang term. Mace Capsaicin is the active ingredient usually. Mace is kind of a brand name, but capsaicin. And don't get the dog spray. Don't get the bear spray unless it's for dogs or bears. That stuff is actually less 
potent than the regular human stuff. You would think the reverse. You would think bear spray would be more powerful, but it's not. Because a bear and a dog's nose is so much more sensitive than ours. They smell stuff that we don't even detect. They smell animals that, that walked through that path days ago that we don't even know were there. So they don't need as high a level as capsaicin. So get the people one if it's for people. And here's what you have to know about pepper spray, mace, capsaicin, whatever you want to call it. Is that just, at least when I went through the LAPD Police Academy, we all had to get sprayed with it and then do normal tasks. Like order somebody around, do tasks. From the me who got out of there, and not that I'm better, but me as a combat veteran in the Marine Corps who had dealt with quite a bit of pain. To people that had came at this from being, you know, moms and never had a tactical job in their life. They all got sprayed in the face and they all ordered people around and arrested people. And that was a regular thing for every graduating class. That's something they had to do. So that should tell you that it's not going to stop somebody from doing what they want to do if they're determined. The one big place I see this as an advantage is, if, and I want to keep this a kid-friendly show, but this is a real thing. Woman, if you're worried about getting taken advantage of on a hiking trail in an alley late at night, I don't imagine... I've ever met a man, or I can't imagine a man being sprayed well with this stuff and continuing trying to take an advantage of a woman. Now, he may beat you up, he may still kill you, but the taking advantage of part, that'd be difficult with a face full of mace, speaking of as a man who's been sprayed in the face with, with this stuff. But as far as stopping somebody from a violent attack, it's not really a, it's not really a thing, I don't think. Because I have been in that situation both on purpose and accidentally gotten that stuff all over me and I've still done whatever I've done and I've still laid down quite a bit of discontent on my adversary covered in mace. A lot of times as a cop in dynamic situations people are moving and the, somebody's spraying that stuff and it may not get on the bad guy or it may get on the bad guy and you, your adversary. And another good rule of thumb, if you spray the person, you're probably still going to get it on you. Another thing to know is that wind has a great effect on it. So you better be thinking about that when you spray it if you don't want to get it on you. But I don't I would never ever rely on any kind of that stuff to stop a violent attack. I would use it as a deterrent. I would use it as maybe a stopgap measure that if I had time and distance and then maybe I wouldn't have to go to something more serious, but I would never rely on that as a primary to stop a violent attack. And here's, this is not going to be the tactical tip of the day, but a tactical tip for pepper spray. Don't aim for somebody's head. Heads, people have an instinctual reaction to dodge their head when something's coming at it. I mean, so it's fairly hard to hit somebody in the head with mace. What you do and what you should be training on is spraying somebody in the chest. If you spray them in the chest, which is a lot harder to move out of the way, it will a lot of times still splash up or the residue will still get up in their head and in their face. And once you hit them in the chest, it's much easier to spray a continual stream in the chest and then move up to the head. Don't try these little little teeny squirts and get it in their face. Press down on the button, get a giant stream of it, hit them in the chest, and then move it all over. All over their chest, all over their head, all over their face until that can is empty. But that's a less lethal option of pepper spray, mace, whatever you want to call it. I'm not saying it's a bad option. I'm just saying it has its downfalls and its pitfalls. The next one I'm going to talk about is impact weapons. 
one of my favorites go to as a cop a pr24 you can look that up it's the big side handle batons now we had collapsibles and pr24s i'll talk about collapsibles but a collapsible baton is in no way equivalent to a good pr24 or a good just basically small aluminum baseball bat now these obviously can be very lethal. If you hit somebody in the head with it, you better assume that it's lethal. It's only less lethal if you know where to hit them. So again, get training. Um, make sure it's warranted because if you hit somebody in the knee with a giant piece of aluminum and break their knee, you're probably liable for that. And unless it's a life or death situation where you don't really want to move to deadly force, like again, somebody's beating somebody else up and you think you have a little bit of time their life's not in danger right this second but it probably will be if you don't do something then maybe that's the right answer and again all situations are are individual situations knowing where to hit with a baton you know knees elbows places with a lot of nerve endings that cause a lot of pain or places that can give a mechanical stop you break somebody's knee it's hard for them to move Collapsible batons are not bad. I would generally only carry a collapsible baton because whatever agency or whatever entity I was working for dictated that I had to have that measure of force, but I never used it because, it, at least in my training and experience, I if I was in that situation, I would usually just, my go-to is just punching. If I thought I needed a baton, then I wanted the good fixed side handle baton. Collapsible batons do have their use. They're small, they're compact. I'm not saying they're a bad choice. I'm just saying they're not one of my favorites. But again, you got to know how to use them, how to strike with them. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The next thing we're going to talk about are tasers, stun guns. Now, that's those are also kind of generic terms. Taser is actually a brand. I do believe Taser stands for Thomas A. Swift Electric Rifle. It is an acronym if you did not know that. Uh, so Thomas A. Swift Electric Rifle is what Taser stands for. Just a little bit of useless trivia knowledge there. But there's a big misconception about these stun guns and tasers and Again, I've been tased with them, both on purpose and accidentally. I have used them. I have been through the training. The big, big misconception on Hollywood and on TV that is just ridiculous is that you hit somebody with a stun gun or you tase them with a taser and they just flop to the ground. And then that's it. That's not how that works. When you get hit with a taser, it is immense physical pain. And especially the more muscle you have, the more excruciating it is because it sends electrical impulses in and locks up those muscles. And it is very intense pain. But the instant, and I'm talking like the microsecond that that clacking stops, clack, 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 clack that you hear, the second that stops, there's no residual pain unless you fell or something and got hurt. 
but there's no residual pain from that weapon. So like when you see somebody tase and they just fall to the ground, that's not, that's not realistic. As soon as that taser gets turned off, there's no pain. So that's useful as a police officer because generally, let's say I'm tasing somebody. I have two other cops. As soon as I turn that taser on, as soon as that clacking stops, they're on that dude and they're getting cuffs on him. I don't see how that really helps you a lot as a civilian because you can't just keep tasing the person for 30 minutes while the cops show up. You know, average response time on a good, good scenario, good day for cops is 15 minutes. You're not tasing somebody for 15 minutes. I don't imagine the battery would even last that long. But so, okay, you tase the person and they're in intense physical pain for three seconds, five seconds. If it's a stun gun, maybe a half a second. And then they're just going to get really, really mad and just try and find a way to avoid the taser. Probably. Because, like, again, there's no residual pain. It's intense, intense pain. And then it's done. As soon as that taser is off, there's no residual pain. So you got to come up with a plan of action. Yeah, maybe, you, you know, a stun gun, if you trained with it and you know how to grapple and wrestle, you hit somebody with that and they tense up and then you break free. It could be a break free tool and then you sprint your butt off to get out of that situation. That might be useful, especially for a female, like they don't have the physical strength to get out of a hold or a choke hold and they hit them with the stun gun and then they run. But don't ever think that if you hit somebody with a stun gun or a taser that the fight's just over. It's only over for those few seconds that that taser or that stun gun is actually working. So get that misconception out of your head. So if you wanted to use it thinking through that now, I've never used it that way, but... Like if I could access it and hit somebody with it and break free of the situation and then just extricate myself out of that situation. But that depends on you being able to outrun that person. So, you know, cardio, very important in a lot of situations. Being physically fit. You may hit them with that stun gun, but if you don't get out of there or if you can't overpower them or win that fight, you know, what's the point? That's my big misconception on stun guns. Um, a stun gun generally is referred to as something that you actually have to make contact with. A taser, and there's probably other brands, but taser is the main name brand one. And they're expensive. There, I want to say they're upwards of $1,000, $1,200 for a good taser. They shoot darts that go into the person. They look like little straight fish hooks that go in and stick. And they have wires. And in between where those two contacts are, an electrical charge is transmitted through the body. Again, these are less lethal. You could still probably kill somebody with this if they had a pacemaker or heart condition or who knows what. Limited range and limited application. I'm not telling you not to get one, but don't ever think that it's an end-all fight stopper because it's not. It's a fight stopper for those few seconds that the taser is on. So those are those electrical-type weapons. Now, talking about one of my favorites, if you guys have listened for any length of time, and if you listen to Gunfighter Life, if you don't know, there's a whole other podcast where we talk about guns and tactics and this cool gun versus that cool gun. If you're into that gun nerd stuff like I am, you might appreciate it. But you'll know what a big fan I am of the shotgun and how versatile it is. And here's one thing about the shotgun that you really don't get from anything else, and that's a less lethal option. And you have a few, just like you have a the great thing about the shotgun is it's so versatile. Just a regular shotgun, you know, just a regular pump 870 or a pump 
you know, Mossberg 500 590 or a Maverick 88 that you can get for $200 will let you kill anything from a squirrel to a grizzly bear. And it also gives you a less lethal, less lethal option. Many, many police departments use these. From rubber slugs, it's basically just a big hunk of rubber that you shoot out of the end of the gun. Again, not it's not never lethal. It's less lethal. If you shot somebody at close distance in the face with one of these, it might kill them. They're meant to be shot at a certain distance, at a torso. And they can be quite effective. Again, assuming that you have time and distance and opportunity to use it. If it's a deadly force situation, it's a deadly force situation. So you also have rubber buckshot, which is just what it sounds like. It's like buckshot that you use to kill deer or in a, in a deadly force situation or in a room clearing situation, except it's made out of rubber, so it's less lethal. I do have some of this stuff. Um, I have both, actually, rubber slugs and that. The next one and the one most commonly used by police is a beanbag round. And these are just like what it sounds like. It's like a beanbag, but it's small enough to fit in a shotgun shell. And you shoot it out. And there are varying designs, many different designs of these. But it's it's uh, filled with some kind of shot. But it's in a beanbag, so it's not likely to penetrate somebody's clothing or skin. But it really causes a lot of you know, physical trauma. Think of it like a super punch to the abdomen a lot in riot controls and things like that. And these especially are less lethal. If you shot somebody in, in the face with these at any reasonable range, it's likely that they would suffer a massive amount of damage and possibly die. So use with caution. But I think if you've listened, if you own guns, you ought to own a shotgun. And this is part of the reason why. It's very flexible. And I think if you own a shotgun... You ought to look at having some less lethal option. You know, you've heard my bio, but I'm not a psychopath. I don't want to kill anybody unless I absolutely have to. There are certain situations laid out in the Bible where deadly force is authorized and prescribed. And I would have no problem, and I have no problem using it in those situations. But outside of that, I don't want to. I don't want to have to take somebody's life. Having a less lethal option, especially with the shotgun that allows me distance. Yeah, I know how to do a decent chokehold, but I have to get up to the person for that. Which introduces a lot more risk. This gives me a less lethal option at a distance. And I still have a shotgun, so if it doesn't work and it turns into a lethal confrontation, I have a very good tool for that. What I might suggest for this is this, if you have a... If you're a gun guy, you probably have quite a few guns, and you may have more than one shotgun. If you do, and you want to designate one as less lethal, take some bright orange duct tape, which I've talked about as having in your range kit or whatever, or bright pink, or well, I don't care. Pick a color, bright green, you know, the zombie green color. Take that shotgun, if you want to, in your home. Have your one loaded up for lethal and have your obnoxiously bright colored one loaded up for less lethal. A lot of police departments do this. Um, if you want to take the shotgun out and take somebody out hunting, it's your, not your primary. You know, you just take the tape off. It's not a big deal. But then you know that one's designated. Like that one's loaded up with rubber buckshot or that one's loaded up with rubber slugs.
you know, if the neighbor's pit bull is attacking my dog and I don't have to kill it, I maybe want to shoot it with a rubber slug. You know that that's the go-to and it's already loaded with the less lethal and whatever situation you might find yourself in. You talk about a taser being a thousand bucks, twelve hundred bucks plus the cost of the cartridges. You can go get a decent Maverick 88, which is a great all-around hunting survival tool. And you can just load it up with less lethal and you have a good less lethal option that allows you time. And again, you could just take the tape off and it's a good lethal option. Uh, again, for putting food on the table and protecting yourself. I don't want to digress on another shot, uh, another episode about how every alpha male ought to own a shotgun. You've probably heard it by now. You either do or you don't. But less lethal than the shotgun is a good option. Again, I wouldn't have this as my primary. Like if somebody breaks into my house, it's a less lethal shotgun. No, I have my Benelli M2 sitting above my bed loaded with lethal rounds. If I had time and opportunity and distance and I thought it might help, I might go to a less lethal option in the shotgun. But it's a great tool, especially we've lived through the last couple of years where rioting is a thing, looting is a thing. Maybe you got a group of people coming towards your area and you don't want to kill them, but you want to make it clear that this is not the house to go to. You know, that less lethal would be a good tool to have in your toolbox. Rubber buckshot bounced off, you know, pavement into some legs and knees might be a good deterrent as to, hey, don't go this way. You probably should go another way. All right. So I think we've talked about a lot of the less lethal options. Bring us to the tactical tip of the day. We talked about batons. We talked about collapsible batons. Um, didn't talk a lot about coup batons. But these are basically a small thing that you hold in your hand that greatly multiplies the force of an impact a punch a hammer fist if you know how to throw those it greatly multiplies the force of that and they make specialty tools for that coupons are a good thing to keep on a keychain you can look those up we did an entire episode on improvised weapons i encourage you if this is interesting to you go check out the improvised weapons episode i'm not going to dive into that but just quick easy coupons um, a roll of quarters, a roll of nickels, depending on what size you want. I remember my father carrying rolls of nickels or dimes or something in his glove box. And him explaining to me that those were not for making change. And pretty much anywhere you go, you could carry those in the airport. You could carry those in a carry-on bag. Who's going to tell you you can't have a roll of dimes? Honestly. And if you needed to, you have a little bit of extra cash. Roll of quarters. But a good impact weapon, a good less lethal option. Also, uh, and this is the tactical tip of the day, most of us who conceal carry, and I encourage you to conceal carry if you're an alpha male, if you live in a place that allows that freedom to protect yourself, most of us carry a, a spare magazine. Well, a spare magazine and a good case for why not a Glock a Glock magazine would work. It's filled with basically lead, but it's plastic. A good metal magazine like I'm holding here in my hand for a SIG 226, that's a, that's a darn handy. That's a darn handy force multiplier for a hammer fist, for a punch. And you would say, why not just grab the gun and pistol with them? Well, because then you're introducing a gun, and if you're in a hand-to-hand -hand confrontation, 
that gives him more opportunity to grab the gun. If it's in my holster, it's not impossible, but harder for him to get out. And I know a lot of pistol retention techniques, and a lot of them are more useful if the gun's in the holster. So again, if I, if I need the gun, I want the gun to be lethal. If I grab the spare magazine, my gun's still in its holster, and he's probably not even going to realize what I have in my hand, but that I have something that I can strike with. Likewise, a lot of men carry folding knives. Now, a folding knife is a lethal option. Using a knife is lethal. But if you keep the knife folded and in your hand, it's still a good striking implement. And it, I don't know that this ever come up in court, but if you did and you used it and it, you say, I didn't open it, I didn't want it to be lethal. I just wanted to use force that wasn't lethal. So a folded pocket knife, assuming it sticks out both sides of your fist, would be a good striking implement. Some are designed better that way than others. That's your tactical tip of the day. Things that most of us EDC carry on us that can greatly multiply the force of a hit. Um, good, less lethal option. And you would think that I would be an advocate of brass knuckles. And I'm not because in a lot of places, and you'd be surprised at this, where carrying a gun is perfectly fine, carrying brass knuckles is a felony. And you can argue whether that law is good or just or not, but the fact is that it is. So I'm not a big fan of those because of the law. They're not malum in se. They're not evil by nature. They're malum prohibitum. They're wrong because some legislator said that you can't have them. All right, men. With that, the tactical verse of the day. You'll find this in God's law of Exodus 22. If a thief is found breaking in and he is struck so that he dies, there shall be no guilt for his bloodshed. If the sun has risen on him, there shall be guilt for his bloodshed. He shall make full restitution. If he has nothing, he shall be sold for his theft. Another bonus tactical verse of the day I'm going to throw in there is, Whoever is deserving of death shall be put to death on the testimony of two or three witnesses. He shall not be put to death on the testimony of one witness. The hands of the witness shall be the first against him to put him to death, and afterwards the hands of all the people. So he shall put away the evil from among you. Notice here, this is my little bit of preaching at the end to you. Notice it says witnesses. So many times... It seems in modern society, we condemn people on hearsay. A witness doesn't mean you heard that somebody did this or you heard that somebody did that. It means that two or three people saw and know. You shall search out diligently, it says in other parts of the scripture. Search out diligently, and if indeed it is true and certain, don't condemn your brother, don't condemn your neighbor by what you hear, by hearsay about somebody. It also says you shall not be a talebearer among your people. Don't gossip. Don't condemn or turn your back on your neighbor because of what you hear about them. By the testimony of two or three witnesses, a matter is established. This is even quoted in the New Testament. If you think that this doesn't apply, it's quoted quite often in the New Testament. Two or three witnesses. That somebody heard that your buddy did this or somebody heard that somebody did that or was doing that. That two or three witnesses saw them and are willing to stand in front of them. Those witnesses are willing to stand in front of them, put their hands on them and say, yes, we saw him do this. We know that he did this. Without that, they're not condemned. Not, not as far as humans are concerned. 
God knows all things, even the thoughts and intents of the heart. With that, men, I hope you like this episode of the Alpha Male Podcast. Get out there. Serve God. Serve your fellow man. Be strong, dominant alpha males. Have a blessed day. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.